We are in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Just kind of making our way. We've already made our way through all of 1 Timothy in the first chapter. We finished the first chapter of 2 Timothy last week. And so today we'll be in chapter 2. This Bible study, Timothy, will last, the Lord willing, and approximately until August the 23rd. I've been learning. I hope you have too. Let's start with 2 Timothy chapter 2, just verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Obviously, Paul talking to Timothy, and notice that he singles out Timothy. He says, you. In other words, there is a difference, there should be a difference between Timothy and the rest of the world, for sure, but also a difference between Timothy, since he is functioning as the pastor, and his congregation. Not better, just different. So he's singling out Timothy, and he's trying to encourage him. How many knows that we need encouragement? Amen? All of us need encouragement, uh, even pastors. Sometimes when I'm really preaching, you think, man, he's preaching at me. Uh, I'm preaching to myself sometimes, uh, just trying to encourage myself. So be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that there is some grace in the Lord? Amen? Uh, no matter who you are, if you're a Christian, then you can experience grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul's trying to do, encourage and strengthen Timothy, help him to endure for the calling that he has on his life, to finish. I mean, we, we need to finish what God's called us to do. I've been thinking about that a, a lot lately, that you know, we're, we're called to finish. The Bible tells us in Philippians 1, 6, that the Lord will finish what he starts in us. I think we ought to have that in mind. Here, Paul is encouraging Timothy, and this is one of the 25 or so times that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy. So that's a lot of encouragement, isn't it? In two letters, he's encouraging him, uh, lifting him up. We talked about that when we first started 1 Timothy, that this was going to be a difficult church to pastor. Anybody remember one of the reasons why Ephesus was going to be a difficult church to pastor? Well, number one, imagine if you're following Paul, who was started that church, and this uh, great apostle of the Lord, right? Is that, but also that the city of Ephesus was very much known for idolatry, wickedness, sin, and that there were some false prophets already starting to creep into the church. So there was lots of reasons why uh, this was going to be a difficult task, not impossible. I mean, knows that all things are possible to him, you know, that believes on the Lord. So uh, he said, be strong, have some strength. Isaiah 40, verse 29 and 31 says this, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Whenever Paul was encouraging Timothy and trying to strengthen him in the Lord, he, he wasn't just doing it to be doing it. He was doing it because 
there's scripture there to back up what says that the Lord will strengthen us. How many's ever needed the strength of the Lord? So we, we need the strength of the Lord. God's resources are available to us. One thing that I want to say too is that God strengthens us as we do what he's called us to do. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to be lazy Christians, right? To just sit back and not do anything. But God strengthens us as we step out by faith and we begin to just walk forward. When you have a big task to do, how do you do it? One step at a time, right? The next right thing. So uh, you continue to do what God's called you to do. You're not passive, but you're you know, moving forward. And then as you exercise your faith, then God strengthens you to do even more for him. Uh, so that's, that's important. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That was the specific way that Paul was telling Timothy to be strong. Not strong in your own mind. Not strong in your own might, not strong in your own intellect, but strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm thankful for the grace of God. I, I lean on the grace of God. Amen? Uh, we need that. So speaking of grace, how do we define grace? There's many ways. Uh, sometimes people use the acronym of grace. God's riches Christ's expense, unmerited favor. What are some other ways, other ways that you could define grace? How about a simple, just God's help, right? His favor, his gift of assistance. Uh, that's, that's one of the ways that we can uh, define grace and that we can rest in the Lord. I've been talking a whole lot about God's uh, blessings and his favor. And certainly one of his biggest blessings to us is his grace. One thing that makes us have God's favor is that we are his children. Do your children have to work for your blessing and your favor? Now, we they might get a little bit more if they're well behaved, right? But we like to bless our children not because of how good they've been, but because of their relationship. And that's, that's, you know, kind of defines grace there. We're God's children. We get his blessings and his benefit, not because we've been perfect, thank the Lord, but because we're his child. We're children of the king. Nothing that can take that away. So Paul was talking to Timothy about this grace, but also the strength. Trying to say, you know, God's going to give you the strength that you need. How many knows that Paul knew a thing or two about having the strength of the Lord? Have you ever read what Paul went through during his ministry? I mean, there's one portion of the scripture that tells us that he was stoned twice, and, and he, you know, revived from that. Uh, the Lord helped him. He was shipwrecked twice. You know, all these things. He was put in stocks and bonds and chains. Uh, but he still continued, even in prison, and that's where this is written from, still continued not in his own power. How many of us that would get to the best of people, right? 
let me continue on in the in the strength of the Lord. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we look at that, Paul wasn't saying, I'm strong. He was saying, because of the things that I've gone through, actually it's the, my weakness and my leaning upon the Lord that makes me strong. It's really neat how we, how we can see that here in the scripture. Look at verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Notice he didn't say, you teach it and hopefully they get it. That's not what he said. Teach it to some people who will be faithful to the word of God and learn how to teach. And we're all called to teach. You may not teach in this setting, but we're all teaching through our lifestyle, right? We're teaching our children. We're teaching our loved ones. We're teaching our co-workers. Uh, sometimes not in the best of ways and sometimes in the best of ways, right? Because we, we fail, we mess up, sometimes we say things we shouldn't, but we're to be teachers of God's word and faithful, especially. Faithful, committed to faithful men who will be able to teach. It's important that we pass on. If we don't teach others to teach, then who will follow us? Who will teach the next generation? I've heard it said, I fully agree with that, but Christianity is one generation from extinction. I've heard that said. But that's only true if we don't do our job, right? Uh, as we teach others and pass on what God's given to us. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. He said, you heard it from me. Now, pass it on to somebody else. Y'all still remember the baton? that I preached about a couple times, uh, using that baton and passing it on uh, to the next generation is important. He, he said, what you heard from me, the truths that you heard from me, pass them on. What a privilege Timothy had had to sit under Bible study under Paul. He's a son of faith, right? Uh, and Paul's planting seed in him all the time. We know the power of seed, right? The power of seed is that you plant it and at some point it's going to spring forth, right? And, and that's really, you know, we plant it, somebody else might water it, but who gives the increase? God does, right? Here's Paul planting into Timothy's life uh, he's telling him, pass it on to others and continue the work. It is the pastor's job to teach and to train, but not by himself. If you've been taught something, then you have an obligation and a responsibility to somehow pass that on. It might not be in a classroom, or it might, right? Uh, but we have a responsibility if we've been taught I've been taught under some, some great teachers and preachers. 
been blessed in that. And so I have a responsibility to pass that on. Everything that you've heard from me, Paul said, pass that on to faithful men. He didn't say smart men. He didn't say strong men. He didn't say perfect men or good-looking men, although I fit that part, but he, I'm kidding. Uh, he, said, he said, pass it on to faithful men, right? I mean, I was going to laugh at this. Faithful men who will be able to teach others. Teaching is a call. It really is. And I believe it's a calling that is on most of our lives. Right? Maybe not quite 10 pages of notes like I probably have here and teach that way. But teaching. Instructing. Did you instruct your kids? Did you try to do right with them? Take them to church? and You were a teaching, right? Uh, so that, that's important. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We're going to see Paul here is going to use three examples. And the first one is a soldier, right? saying you need to be like a good soldier. And he knows that a soldier doesn't always have it easy. As a matter of fact, when soldiers endure hardship, they learn and grow from that. Uh, it's to the betterment of all of the soldiers around them. Of his platoon or his whatever it might be. That, that group of, uh, of soldiers there. And so here Paul is saying you got to be like a good soldier of Christ. And then he adds to that, and he says, don't get tangled up in what? In the affairs of life. Now, he's not talking about affairs like as in cheating on your spouse. That's not what he's talking about, although that would definitely not be a good thing to do. Uh, but what he's talking about is don't get so mixed up in the world that you can't function well in your calling for the Lord. Don't get entangled in it. Danny's a big fisherman back there. If you throw your fishing line up next to the roots of the tree, what's probably going to happen? Get fish or you get snagged, right? Get entangled in the roots because you're too close, right? You can be too close. So we're not supposed to be entangled in the affairs of this world. How do you do that? We live here. We're in this world, but not of this world. We either are working or retired and have worked, or maybe working a second career, like me. Uh, I'll call this a career, but this is a calling, but it's the second major thing I've done in my life. How do we balance? We gotta live in the world. We gotta make money. We gotta function. We gotta go to the grocery store. We gotta sometimes bump into people that aren't so easy uh, to be around, right? It's not easy, is it? Some days are harder than others. Uh, so don't get so engaged or entrenched in this life. There's a certain mindset that we have to have. 
it is that this is not our home. We're called to do some things while we're here, and certainly to make an impact. But if we have the attitude that I'm not going to get so entrenched and so downhearted and so uh, full of concern about where this world is and what's going on because I know what I have waiting for. Doesn't take away from our responsibility to try to win people for the Lord. That is one of our chief things that we need to, to be doing. So endure hardship uh, as a good soldier. Don't give up just because things get hard. Imagine if you're with the other soldiers in your platoon or your your battalion, and they're out running you and training you, and you just, this is just too hard. I'm going to sit down. Number one, probably not going to go well for you. But if you take that attitude all the time, you'll never be a good soldier. You, you, you can't just quit when things get hard. It's easy to do, isn't it? But we're to push forward. Don't, don't quit. Be willing to endure hardship because we have a great example of somebody who endured hardship for us. And who is that? It's Lord Jesus, right? Sometimes things get really, really hard and we feel like quitting. Amen? Don't ask me on some Monday mornings how I feel about being a pastor, okay? Most I'm good, but some maybe not. But don't quit. Keep pushing forward like a good soldier. Keep marching, keep moving forward. And God will give you the strength. We said Jesus was a great example. He was a man too, wasn't he? And there was a time when he said, this cup is too hard. It's too much. But he let it pass from him. Right? Remember when he said that? Even him. So don't get too down on ourselves or yourself if you experience a time of just, I just, I just can't do it. I'm going to give up, right? I'm going to quit. Don't, don't do that. But let God strengthen you. Let him pick you up. Be that soldier that is just willing to keep going on one foot after the other. One Thing at a time. Continue to move forward. Don't become entangled. Keep moving forward so that you'll do what? So that you might please who? Please Him. Please Him who has called you. Our calling, whatever it is on your life, and I believe we have way more than one calling on our life. We're all called to be soul winners. I'll tell you that because Jesus told us that right before He ascended into heaven. Go and make disciples of all of them, baptizing them, teaching them all the things that I've taught you, right? So whatever calling we have on our life, it wasn't something that we said, I want to do that. It was him who called us to. That's what makes it possible for us to keep going is because he called us. And whatever he called us to, whether you feel like it or not, he equips us to do it. Right? Do you believe that? It doesn't always feel like you're equipped, does it? Sometimes you feel unworthy. 
sometimes you feel like you don't have all the things that you need to do. Am I, am I talking to anybody tonight, right? I'm just speaking from experience. Sometimes you don't feel like you have all the things you need in order to do what God's called you to do. But he will enable you to do it. The word tells us that. So we're soldiers. Christ is the commander of the army. He's our commanding officer. And the only thing he asks of us is obedience. I could probably ask Bill, because I know he was in the military. Uh, the primary thing that your officer over you wanted is what? Loyalty, obedience, obedience complete, done. Not just half-hearted obedience. Why? Because in the military, if you don't completely obey, you could get killed. Not from the commanding officer, but from the enemy. So that's, that's what the Lord really wants us. He wants us to be like soldiers that push on, don't get entangled in things, but also obedient in order for our safety. The Lord doesn't tell us to do things just to make it hard. It's for us to grow. We got to persevere. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics. So the second illustration goes from soldier to athletics. I know a little bit about being an athlete. Uh, I, I did okay in some things. I know what it takes. I know that it takes a lot of dedication to be an athlete, especially a premier athlete. If anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. How many knows that there are rules for us as Christians? There's plenty of them. And I believe in grace, and I believe God forgives us whenever we don't do what he's called us to do, but there are things in place, and I believe, again, those rules for our benefit, for our safety, for our, our best. Good? Yes. Yes, Lord. I like that. Uh, so there are some rules. Uh, you can't win a basketball game uh, if you just pick up the ball and run down the court. The ref will blow the whistle and you will get called for walking and the other team will get the basketball. Right? There's rules. Even in sports. That's uh, Here's this analogy that Paul is using. Compete, but compete according to the rules. If you want to receive the crown, all I can say is wait until August the 23rd we're going to talk about the crown some more because I don't want to spoil it. We always talk about we're going to have a crown. Hopefully more than one, right? There's some unique things about the crown that we'll talk about in a few weeks. Uh, but he says so that you'll receive the crown. God rewards those who serve him. Brother McKinley used to quote all the time. That he is, and he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. That was his favorite verse in the Bible. He said it. Uh, if he was called on to testify, that would be the first thing out of his mouth because he was saying that God is, I believe that God is, and that he is a rewarder. Uh, when we serve God, there are rewards in it for us. There really are. Compete, 
leader of the rules, persevere like a good soldier. Now, he says, verse 6, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. So you got soldier, athlete, and hard-working farmer. I was never really a farmer, but I sure helped my daddy raise a lot of big, good gardens. Uh, and that's hard work. If you've ever done it, you know it's hard work, right? Uh, I used to hate to pull the weeds out and hoe the garden and pick the beans and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, that, that's hard work. That's back-breaking work. Uh, and now I miss it doing that probably more because my dad, I don't have a dad around to do it. The, the hard-working farmer, that's his illustration about how we're to serve and persevere for the Lord. And that if we are a hard-working farmer or like that illustration, it will partake of the crops. He's calling Timothy to have the attitude of a farmer. What is the attitude of Dependence upon somebody besides yourself, the Lord. If you don't work hard, you don't eat. You know, God called us to work for his kingdom. There's really no place for lazy Christians when you look at the Bible and you look at it sincerely. I, I don't mean they're going to hell. I mean that God didn't call us to be lazy. Right? He called us to work for the kingdom of God. And it's actually a privilege. A lot of farmers... I hope many of them love what they do. That's all they know. It's what they do. And they love being uh, there and doing that. None of them are really necessarily celebrities. Right? So one of the attitudes of a farmer is probably humbleness too. Right? Because there's not somebody out there watching you when you hold that garden. And they're not going, Woo! Keep on hoeing! Keep on planting them beans or keep on. So there's not a celebrity attitude about a farmer, right? So there is a humble spirit about being a farmer. There's a humbleness about working for the Lord. Everybody isn't going to see and celebrate everything you do for the kingdom of God. People might say, I appreciate you, and hopefully you feel appreciated, uh, but not. Everybody isn't going to see everything you do for the kingdom of God, right? Uh, so if we have an attitude of uh, maybe that mega athlete who is used to being celebrated, we might struggle and try to celebrate what people do for the, for the kingdom. And we should recognize it, but that's not why we work for the kingdom. It's so that God's kingdom will grow and you will be blessed. It's important for us to have that hard-working attitude to do it for the kingdom of God. The farmer will be the partaker of the crops. What does that mean? He did the work. So there's a reward in it for the farmer. How does that translate into the kingdom? I can tell you how it translates some for me. So if my work is to dig into the Word of God, understand it to the point that I can teach it and hopefully bring it to a level that 
almost everybody can understand it, or everybody can, right? But in doing that, I'm partaking of the word. I benefit. I know a lot more than what I, I'm not trying to brag, I'm saying I know a lot more and have studied a lot more than what I actually present. So I've already ate from this, right? And that's what he's saying about the farmer. If you've been a teacher, you know this to be true. That you study to the point, or if you're a good teacher, and you're concerned and you want your students to learn and grow, then you study to the point that you know it more than your students will when you get done. Uh, so you're a partaker of the, of the crops. If he wasn't going to be, if he wasn't being fed from the Word of God, then he couldn't feed others. Paul said that Timothy to, to be a partaker of the, of the crops. Why did he say that? Because if he wasn't being fed from the word of God, then he couldn't feed others. As a preacher and teacher of the word, I cannot teach you things that I don't know. I do my best to study. To Then what happens is all the things that I've studied, and I can't put them all in my notes, we ever put us, Danny has, I know he has, uh, I put a Sunday school lesson together, Bill has, some of many of you have, and you get to that point to teach it, and then you start teaching or preaching it, and then the Holy Spirit brings things back to your memory, right? Scripture, verses, all those kinds of things that you didn't know for sure that you were going to talk about. So you've partaken of that word, now you can You've been fed, now you can feed others. It's important for us to do, not just as leaders or teachers, but as just Christians. How are you going to lead someone to know Christ if you don't know any scriptures at all? Right? And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to down you, I'm trying to say, it's so important for you to know at least a handful of scriptures so that we can tell people that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? We can tell people that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God will save us, right? Uh, we can tell people that it is by grace that you're saved through faith, not by work, lest any man should boast, right? If you if you study that, then it comes to you. And then what you've been fed with, you can feed others with. Right? Uh, so that's extremely important, whether you're a teacher or a preacher or whatever you might be, that you know the Word of God. Uh, and there are some things that we need to memorize at, at all costs. Compared to some preachers, I don't have a ton of scriptures memorized as far as chapter, verse, where they're at. But many times when I'm preaching, they'll come to me, and I might not know, I'll just say the Bible says, right? Then, then later afterwards, I'm going back, and I'm like, all right, where is that? I know that's in here. And it is, because the Holy Spirit has brought it to my memory. So uh, as pastors and teachers and Christians, it will prepare ourselves by studying the Word of God then God will be able to use us in a greater way. Right? That's why it's important. You want to be used by God? 
Can I tell you that there is no more fulfilling thing than leading someone in Christ? I've done a lot of things in my life. I have flown to different countries, visited the Caribbean, done all kinds of wonderful, fun things. None of them more fulfilling than speaking to somebody about Jesus Christ and then transform from one life to another and just from, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I, man, I feel that right now, don't you? That happened this past Sunday, by the way. I got a call from this family and this young man was, was in trouble. Things were not going right. But he knew enough as he'd been in church that he wanted to get to church and he wanted prayer. And so I had what a privilege. I'm not bragging. I'm humbled that God would use me in that way that I would come down here on a Saturday afternoon and be with this family and lead that young man to the Lord. That's, I mean, it's awesome, right? But in order to do that effectively, I need to know Scripture. Because you don't want to sit there and say, well, I think this. I believe this, but I don't have any foundation for it. That's not convincing, right? But whenever you're able to say, this is what the scripture says. And you're able to tell them how the enemy works in their lives. I'm going to throw this in for free. You Not only do you need to know scripture as far as being able to bring it to remembrance and lead people to Christ, but you need to understand how your enemy works. One time I preached a series of sermons about uh, knowing your enemy. How does he work? How does the devil work? He's pounding and pounding, right? How else? And he pounds on that, right? And he works in your mind, right? And so it's important that we understand that. If you're a good soldier, and that's what we're, we talked about just a few minutes ago, Bill, did they teach you about the tactics of an enemy if you were to be uh, attacked? I don't know that you were, you know what I'm saying. There was training, right? This is what the enemy might do. Might, they might pursue this. So it's important for us to understand our enemy. And that, that's for free. Verse 7. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So, what is Timothy to consider? The three things that we just talked about. The illustrations of being a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And the perseverance that it takes to do these things. A soldier is not going to stop fighting until the battle's finished and he sees the victory. An athlete won't stop running uh, until the race is over, right? And the farmer won't start stop working until the harvest comes to pass. I laughed when I talked about that, when I read that about the runner, because I tried about a season of uh, long-distance running, and that was not my forte. I stopped many times in the middle to rest because I did, couldn't make it the whole day. <laughs> But a good athlete is not going to stop running until he finishes, right? 
I, I, I told people that I had a knack for coming in second to last, only because my heart didn't take coming in last. Only in long distance running, not in regular track. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So now look at this. He's told Timothy, here's some illustrations of how you need to persevere. That soldier, that athlete, that farmer, the hard work, the perseverance, all of that. And now he comes to him and he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. What's important about that statement? Is a promise from God? Yes. The promise was fulfilled through Christ, who was the seed of David. Who was Timothy primarily going to be talking to? Jews. So in other words, he said, Timothy, do all of this study, make sure you persevere, do all this, but keep at the forefront of your message that Jesus is the Messiah. That he's the Jewish Messiah, and that he is of the seed of David, and so that's, what is that? That's the gospel message, right? Uh, to keep that at the forefront of his preaching. I didn't read it in a book. No one told me. But when I first started preparing messages, when I say messages, I'm talking preaching, the Lord just simply laid it on my heart. Every message, at some point, to give an altar call and tell the gospel and to give an opportunity for people to come to Christ. Every message. I mean, that that's not always easy, right? Sometimes I'm preaching to the saints because I'm trying to encourage the saints. But in that, the Lord convicted me of that to always bring it back to Jesus Christ. That's what he's telling Timothy. He said, don't forget. He said, you remember. It's about Jesus. Right? I'm telling you all these good things to be a pastor and to be really good at it, but don't forget it's about Jesus. Uh, and so that's, that's what he's telling him. It's God's plan that through Christ that this plan of God would happen, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that he would live this sinless, spotless life, that he would be crucified, that he would die, that he would rise again on the third day. That's the good news, right? That's the gospel. Don't forget about that, Timothy. Don't forget about the resurrection. Don't forget about that he's the seed of David. That means all those promises that he promised David, they were all fulfilled in Christ. Those promises that he gave to David, you're always going to have somebody on the throne eternally. Unless you know about Christ, you think that did not come to pass. Christ is on the throne, right? And he's eternally there. And it was a gospel that that Paul had preached to Timothy, therefore he called it his gospel. It wasn't his as far as he didn't own it, but it was his and that he had done all that he could do with what God had given him, that message of salvation and the gospel of Christ, he had owned it. You know what I'm saying? He owned that responsibility. 
He said, I took that responsibility, that calling that the Lord gave to me, and I did all that I could do, and I even passed it on to you, Timothy. It's my gospel, now run with it. He said, take this and run with it, right? Take it and go with it, according to my gospel. What is, what is gospel? It's the good news. The good news. Good news was about Christ. About having a real relationship with the Lord. About Jesus finishing the work that God called him to do on the cross. And then the promise of eternal life being shown to us through the power of the resurrection. So that's, that's the good news. What will you do with the gospel? You got to talk about it, right? It's not just the pastor's job, or the youth pastor's job, or the children's pastor's job, or even just the Sunday school teacher's job. It's all a responsibility. What will we do with the gospel? There have been times when I was preparing to preach a message that I knew was, if it was difficult for me, that it could be difficult for others to understand. And so I, I, I remember several times in a row praying that God would make it simple enough for the youngest child to understand. That's important. Because there's power in that simplicity. The gospel is really not the gospel in particular. Maybe some other doctrines, but the gospel is simple. It really is. Simple. Let's look at these questions and we'll try to wrap up and have prayer. Verse 1, according to verse 1, what did Paul tell Timothy to do? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Define grace in this context. Mary in favor. Also, you can even say God's help is a, a, a simple way of saying that. Question three, according to verse two, what was Timothy to do with the instruction he received from Paul? Pass it on. Commit it to the faithful men who, who will be able to teach. Question four, how was Timothy to endure hardship according to verse three? Good so. What is the second illustration used to encourage Timothy to persevere. Nazareth, following the rules, that's correct. What's the third illustration that Paul used to encourage Timothy to persevere? According to verse 6, hard work and farm, right? Question 7, according to verse 6, why did Paul tell Timothy to partake of the cross? Eat the word to feed the, to feed the word to others, right? Question eight. Why was it important for Timothy to teach that Jesus Christ is the seed of David? It fulfills that Christ was the Messiah. 